When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Free speech is under assault like never before. Freedom is under attack more now than ever before. Because radical doesn't mean crazy. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. With the help of the media, big tech, and the global elite, the left is attempting to seize control of my generation. It's time to fight back. It's time to let freedom ring. Boy, freedom is ringing throughout the country right now. Freedom is ringing so heavily. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Virginia runs on Yunkin. Virginia runs on Yunkin. Now, obviously, yesterday I had to record the episode the day before. And obviously, that makes it to where uh, I couldn't tell you who won because I recorded it before the polls even closed. I said, I thought it'd be Glenn Youngkin. Turns out, good old Noah was right. So if you want me to say that you're going to win your election, because apparently I'm always right, uh, let me know. Let me know. Um, Now, here is the good news. Virginia, a state that my family has called home before, a state that my family has property in, voted for a Republican governor. They voted for Glenn Youngkin. First time that since first time since 2009 that a Republican uh, won there. And a lot of people are saying this is great because in 2022, this will cause us to take back our to take back the House, to take back the Senate. Look what's going to happen. Sweetheart, it's better than that. It's better than that. And I'll get into that in a second, but I want to talk about perhaps the biggest political upset in maybe the last decade. Maybe the last decade. I mean, a lot of people are thinking, oh, oh, Trump's win over Hillary. This Trump had money. This next guy had no money. Literally. You might, you listening to this right now might have more money in your pocket right now than this guy spent on his campaign. And he undefe- he defeated one of the top Democrats in the state. But let's celebrate for a moment. Let's celebrate Glenn Youngkin. I had a chance to speak with him. Congratulate him. Let's let's talk, let's let's celebrate his win in the state of Virginia which many people thought couldn't happen. 
I know a couple about a month ago today, I would have said he probably wouldn't. I, I'd say he would have done better than, than Trump did, but may not win. But I want to talk about this. A guy named Ed. Uh, well, let me get his name right. A guy named Ed. Edward Durr. Has defeated. The president pro tempore of the New Jersey State Senate. He defeated him. He won. He became probably the first person to do this in God knows how long. But he did it. He won. And that's important. And let me tell you why. It shows how unpopular Joseph R. Biden is. Think about this. A man with basically no money, $153, upset somebody who spent millions of dollars over the years growing his brand. New Jersey's longest-running state Senate president lost his seat to a truck driver who spent $153 on Dunkin' and paper flyers over the course of his campaign. Democratic Senate President Steve Sweeney's trailed a Republican challenger, Edward Durr, a truck driver, by more than 2,000 votes as of Wednesday afternoon, with more than 99% of precincts reporting. There has not been a winning a winner yet, but it appears like he won't be able to do it. The loss by one of New Jersey's most powerful politicians will result in an upheaval of political power in the state, forcing the Senate to find a new president. Sweeney has been the chamber's leader for over a decade. Four years ago, he won re-election in what at the time may have been the most expensive legislative race in American history. Sweeney's loss came in the same election as his fellow Democrat, Governor Phil Murphy, as we'll get into in just a moment, nearly lost re-election. Murphy was projected to be the winner when he was up by uh, only 19,000 votes out of more than 2.3 million cast. Very close guy. Durr said in a statement, well, I'm a numbers guy and I've looked at the numbers over the years. Durr said uh, an interview with uh, conservative commentator Elizabeth Nader. Does, she does great work. They have a district of 150,000 voters. Sweeney has never broke 32,000. And so I felt I could get, if he can't even get half the district, that means there's numbers out there to be taken. And you just have to get people to come out and vote. And I believe that if they vote and came out and vote, we would win. And they did. What did he run on? Low property taxes. The creation of a friendly business environment. And he said this, not everybody has a lot of money to run. All they have to do is have a heart for the people. And he's got a heart for the working people, his wife said. Who's her husband of 63 years. So he's not even... Edward Durd Sr. died two weeks ago and that her son, despite being on the campaign trail, was right there by his dad throughout. Now, Sweeney obviously did not, you know, didn't do it. So what does this mean? What is the... I know what you're thinking right now. Noah, what the heck does this mean? Get to the point you like to take up airtime. Well, you're right. It helps the numbers. But anyway... So we, we look at the numbers, okay? Let's look at the numbers of the New Jersey Senate rate or uh, governor race, right? And this is uh, 87% reporting as of the time that I'm recording this. And it has uh, Governor Phil Murphy at 1.21 million and uh, Jack Ciattarelli at 1.19 million. Guys, that's close. We barely put any money into this race. The RGA probably spent nothing in this race. And yet it's still close. Now, there's a lot of warning signs. Over the New York Times, 
This is what I love about the New York Times. The New York Times is the only person who will put a full staff on writing an article. This is by Andrew Sorgan, Jason Carrion, Sarah Kessler, Steve Gandell, Michael Merced, Lauren Hirsch, and Effort Livney. The day after, Republicans scored big in yesterday's elections, most notably the former private equity mogul Glenn Youngkin won the race for Virginia's governorship. It's a major warning sign. Here the rundown. Here's a rundown of what happened. In Virginia, Youngkin, who was previously a CEO of the Carlisle Group, beat Democratic veteran Terry McAuliffe in a state that Biden carried easily. In New Jersey, at the time they write this, the race was still, clo- still too close to call. Little-known Republican Jack Sia Torelli is running narrowly ahead of Governor Phil Mur- Murphy, a former Goldman Sachs executive with close ties to Biden. In New York City, Eric Adams cruised to victory over the Republican Curtis Silwa, while Alvin Bragg, also a Democrat, became Manhattan's whatever. But here is where we got a playbook for what to do if you're a, a Republican running in a very, very blue state. Yunkin gave you that playbook. It is crucial to Republican victory that it is crucial that if Republicans want to win, you need to win suburbia and rural area, focus on taxes and education. But what do Democrats do now? Well, Axios, and they're not a fan of the right anyway, said that they are moving too far left, really. But our country, I, I really do think our country is probably saved. I mean, I'm looking over the list of just senators up for re-election next cycle. We got Michael Bennett in Colorado, a state that had a Republican senator just a few years ago. Richard Blumenthal, which Connecticut, you know, that there, there's hopes for it. Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, which she has an opponent named Sam Brown who probably could upset her. Tammy Duckworth in Illinois, she's probably safe. Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, uh, a guy named uh, Sonono, looks like he very well could beat her. Mark Kelly from Arizona, he's probably going to be done after this. Patrick Leahy and Patty Murray from Vermont and Washington will probably be safe. Alex Padilla, the replacement to our terrible uh, Vice President Kamala Harris will probably be fine. Brian Schatz will probably be fine. Chuck Schumer will probably be fine. But Chris Van Hollen of Maryland is going to have a tough time. Because if there's somebody who runs a campaign very similar to Glenn Youngkin, because Maryland and Virginia are very similar states, if that happens, he could be done. Raphael Warnock, um, the guy who says he represents me and has no chance of representing me in his life, can't even spell conservatism, can't even spell American values, is up for re-election. Ron White in Oregon is up for re-election. Now, I count, if I had to make a count today, I'd say Michael Bennett loses. Catherine Cortez Masto loses. Maggie Hawson loses. Mark Kelly loses. Alex Padilla wins because he's in California. Chris Van Hollen loses. And Raphael Warnock loses. Let's count that. That's one, two, three, four, five, six potential losses. Now, now assuming all Republicans held their seat, that would be 56 votes close to a supermajority and looking over at the Republican side of the aisle we have Indiana probably going to vote red we have Pennsylvania probably going to vote red considering that Trump flipped it red for the first time in forever and it appears Joe Biden is going to do more good electing Republicans than anything else in his administration John Thune will win re-election. Richard Shelby will win re-election. I mean, I'm seeing Senator from South Carolina will win. Florida will win. Ohio, even though Portman's not running again, 
Ohio will vote red. Kentucky will vote red. Lisa Murkowski, God, I wish somebody primaries her, but even if not, she'll be in there. Kansas, red. Mike Lee, red. Oklahoma, red. Uh, Oklahoma's red, even though James Lankford has a very good challenger. Uh, Jackson Lawmeyer, I think his last name is pronounced. Louisiana, red. Wisconsin, red. North Dakota, red. Iowa, red. Idaho, red. North Carolina, red. Arkansas, red. Missouri, red. That's 56. 56 potential U.S. senators on the Republican caucus. Because it's a lot more popular to be in the minority when the guy running the country has no idea what's going on. He just knows people drag him to events. He has to say some words not very good. And he gets ice cream if he's a good boy. Folks, that's just the Senate. All 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives is up for vote next next year. What's going to happen to Amy Spanberger? What's going to happen to, Ra- uh, ooh, not Raphael Warner, Carolyn Bordeaux? What's going to happen to Lucy McBath? What is going to happen? Jake Evans, a guy who's been on the show before, will be, uh, will probably be the nominee, has a good chance of winning. It's important that we get this right because we have a chance to save our country. And if we can do this correctly, we can win statewide. Or we can win nationwide, sorry. Now, I'm going to play a clip that I have been meaning to play for a while, I wanted to run down because everybody's been asking me what you know what happens. What do I think happens if uh, Donald Trump doesn't want for run for re-election? And this is personally what I think is going to happen. So here we are. Now, with that being said, let's. If you guys want me to do one with Donald Trump not in the race, let me know and we'll do that. So first thing first, we have to start with the F tier, and I'm going to start with people who I just don't see running. I think that starts with Sean Hannity. And I think that also starts with Tucker Carlson. I don't see them running. I think that also starts with Ivanka and Eric Trump. I like all four of these people. I think they would, if they did run for office, they would be very successful and they probably would do very well in a primary. However, I just don't see them personally running. This is not an attack on Sean Tucker, on Ivanka, or on Eric. I think they'd be really good uh, nominees. I think they'd probably win a lot of votes, but I don't see them running, and that's why I'm doing it. Look, Sean Hannity currently makes... I think somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million on Fox News, and he has no responsibility, meaning that he doesn't have to govern. He doesn't have to do anything like that. He just has to sit there and make people happy for an hour a day on the TV and three hours a day on the radio. He's got a pretty good gig. Tucker Carlson, he has two shows right now, Tucker Carlson Today, Tucker Carlson Tonight, and he does a good job. And look, Eric and Ivanka, were very, uh, well, Ivanka was very pivotal in her father's uh, in her father's presidency, and Eric did a lot with the business while while his father was president they'd probably both be good presidents but they were they're not on the list because i just don't quite frankly think they're going to run now next who is on the f tier look charlie baker i had to look up who that guy was to be able to fit, to do this poll and if i don't know him and i study you know conservative politics he definitely is not making it out of it but he's the former governor of massachusetts and i just don't see him pulling it off quite frankly next on this list is john Kasich. Now, John Kasich is a 
I don't know how to say this. Rhino. Uh, Rhino, for those of you who don't know, it's Republican in name only, basically meaning that you just have an R next to your name to get elected, but you're not a true Republican. Look, John Kasich started a trend of terrible Republican governors in the state of Ohio. Because of him, we have now Mike DeWine, who this came out recently that potentially Mike DeWine wants to get rid of Jim Jordan's congressional district. For those of you who don't know who Jim Jordan is, probably one of the better congressmen, uh, at least on the Republican side. Now, that being said, I think John Kasich couldn't, you know, he barely made it to the top five last time. Um, and I don't, I just don't, I just don't see a lot of people getting excited about him again. Now moving on to the D tier, these are people who I think could probably make it a couple of months in the primary, but would not even be close to making the, t- the top 10. Now, the way this is going to work is, uh, the B tier is going to be who I think would be the top five and the A tier are going to be who I think would be, you know, the final three from that top five. Now on the D tier, I'm going to put governor. Larry Hogan on the F tier, actually. I, I just don't think Larry Hogan's policies and how Larry Hogan has governed the state of Maryland would do well. Now, to be fair, he's a Republican in a Democratic state. I don't think that he would do very well there. I don't think he would do well in a primary. I don't think he's popular. I don't even know if he can. he's going to seek re-election. Now, on to the D tier. We have Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, you know, former Speaker of the House, one of the youngest Speakers of the House in U.S. history, I don't think that he makes it out of a primary, and I'll tell you why. I think that Paul Ryan has has angered a lot of people, and I think that some of the anger is justified. Paul Ryan is seen as the leader of the rhinos in in Congress, and or when he was in Congress, and a lot of people see him as putting a lot of ends to a lot of the things that Donald Trump wanted to get done. Look, he retired from politics after 22 years in the House. He was very young when he got elected. I believe he was 25 or 26 years old. So he would have the energy, and as you guys remember, he was the vice presidential nominee back in 2012 with Mitt Romney, where they they ended up losing. So with that being said, I don't see Paul Ryan making it out of a primary. I don't even think he would win the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I don't even think he'd win that primary. He didn't even carry the state of Wisconsin for Mitt Romney in 2012, and that could have been a difference maker if he would have been able to do that. Next on the list, Ben Sass, the senator from Nebraska. Ben Sass is somebody who gets a lot of flack, gets a lot of hate, but I think that Ben Sass is a very principled guy. There's a couple of people in, in the U.S. House and uh, U.S. Senate and just politics in general who I don't agree with, but I think that if they vote, f- vote for something, it's probably because they agree with it. And Ben Sass is one of those people. And with that being said, I do don't think Ben Sass can make it out of a primary. I don't think you can vote to convict President Trump in the U.S. Senate and have any chance of making it out. Um, I mean, they seriously almost removed him from office. They were only like 10 votes short in the Senate from removing him from office. So I just don't see that being able to come to fruition. Next on this list is none other than Rick Scott. Now, a lot of people are going to say, why are you picking on Rick Scott? Look, I, I listen, I live right by Florida. And the reason I don't think Rick Scott can make it out of a primary is this. Now, he has a lot of money. I think he's the wealthiest or top five wealthiest people in the House or in, in the Congress. Sorry. I don't think he can make it out because I think a lot of voters look at him and they say, hey, you know, you voted to or you, you signed the bill that raised the age to buy a handgun or a rifle in the state of Florida to 21 years old. A lot of the, a lot of the, the right, a lot of the base who vote in primaries are they love guns, rightfully so. I do as well, and I just don't see that. I just don't see him being able to pull that off personally. 
I just don't see that being able to come to fruition myself. But, hey, I've been wrong before, so maybe I'm wrong again. I just don't see Rick Scott now. Now, potentially carry Florida, but he might lose Florida to some other people on this list, potentially. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to say any names at all, but potentially he could lose Florida to a few people on this list because some of them live in the state of Florida. Some of them uh, are very active in Florida politics. I'm not going to say any names. Obviously, we'll get to that when we get to that. Next on the list is Governor Chris Christie. Now, Chris Christie, he is known for wiping out the great uh, Marco Rubio, little Marco, in the primary by saying, you know, the famous clip, you're just a politician, and he's going to say the exact same thing, and then Marco Rubio said the exact same thing again. So I think Chris Christie could probably be somewhat competitive, but at the end of the day, he'd probably just be vying for a cabinet-level position, maybe attorney general, maybe secretary of state, something like that. Now, next on this list... A lot of you guys might be surprised by this, that he's not in a different category, but we're going to go ahead and put Mitt Romney. And the reason we're putting Mitt Romney is in the D tier, not in the F tier, is because of how he has kind of stayed principled while, while Democrats were in office. I mean, he said that he would not, that he would filibuster the debt ceiling vote. And obviously, you know, that is yet to be on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. there because he hasn't done it necessarily yet because it hasn't come up for a vote but I thought he'd be the first one to cave looks like to me like he hasn't so we'll see how that goes now we're gonna have two more people on this D tier list and it's actually starting to get quite hard but I think that unfortunately it has to go to Nikki Haley and I'll tell you why Nikki Haley recently has been distancing herself from President Trump, she's spoken out against him in the past, which I don't think is necessarily always a bad thing. I've called him out before in the past, too. But I think that Nikki Haley is seen by a lot of people as a return to George Bush, which a lot of people don't want to be seen as a return to George Bush. Some people on the right have have said have have lobbied similar attacks to her as they did to Rick Scott. You know, in the wake of a shooting, you signed this bill or you signed that bill. Uh, you know, is that true? I don't know. I, I think I think Nikki Haley is, is is principled, but I just don't think she makes it out of a primary. I think she might be able to make it on to being uh, the vice president, maybe secretary of state with her experience in the UN. Next on this list would have to be Senator Marco Rubio. Now, Senator Rubio does come from the state of Florida, so he will have a lot of support in Florida. He'll have a lot of support amongst the Hispanic community. But personally, I just don't see him being able to do it. He's been he's been one of the most outspoken senators uh, since Barack Obama was president, and he wasn't able to put anything together uh, to beat, you know, to, to outtake Trump in that primary. He ended up being one of the first people off. Look, I think Marco Rubio is a very smart person, but I just don't see him being able to pull it off. Now, the C tier are people who 
have the potential to do very, very, very competitive, but probably will not even make, again, like I said, B tier is the top five. Uh, you don't get into the B tier unless you have the ability to win a state. I think Greg Abbott is going to be in the C tier. Uh, well, first off, him being in a wheelchair greatly harms his ability to be president. It just adds an extra level of him not being, not that I think that would take him away to, to being able to, I don't think that would make any difference with him being president, but it makes it a lot harder to travel and campaign. And he has done a lot of good here recently. I mean, he invited uh, 10 other Republican governors to the border to do a press conference uh, to point out the bad things that Joseph, uh, that Joseph R. Biden is doing at at the border. But I just personally don't see Greg Abbott being able to pull it out of a primary. I don't think he really has that that national appeal. Next, I'm going to put Christy Nome. I think Christy Nome will have her day. I think Christy Nome may be able to compete for a vice presidential nominee. But I think coming from a small state like South Dakota against some other big hitters here, I think that it's very, very hard for her to to make that case of why she should be the uh, the presidential nominee. I mean, she has done a great job in South Dakota uh, as governor. I mean, they're, they did better during COVID than they did before COVID. A lot of people moving there and this, that, the other. And it's also important to keep in mind that I'm not saying that Christy Noem is a bad Republican. I'm not saying that, you know, Larry Hogan's a bad Republican or Sean Hannity. Many of these people are, are have very good voting records and very good um, rhetoric, but I think that, you know, want to get to become president, it's very, very hard. Now, next on this list will be Mike Pence. Now, Mike Pence will be able to put, he'll be able to put up a strong thing being the former vice president. But with that being said, there's a lot of the base and keep in mind the base determines who the nominee is. And then the general public determines who the, who the president president is. I think it'd be very, very hard for Mike Pence to be able to do that, to be able to put that up. We have 10 people left. We're in our top 10, and it's going to be really hard because we got to put five more people in this C tier because only five people are allowed to go in the B and only three people in the A, and obviously only one. I guess we only have to put, I guess at that point, we only have to put a few more up there. So with the C tier, I'm also putting Donald Trump Jr. in the C tier because, well, his father is also in the race. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. I think would probably end up making a very, very good president. I think his, I think his dad I think his dad has done a lot to be able to grow his presence and to make him. I think he'd be a very good president. I really do. I just don't see him being able to pull it off against his father. Now we'll also put Rand Paul in there. Again, I like Rand Paul. Rand Paul's leadership in the Senate during this entire COVID nineteen pandemic, scamdemic, whatever you want to call it, has probably led to us being. Uh, better off. I mean, he's the only person who understand in the Senate who understands what Dr. Fauci is saying and knows that he is wrong. And so for that, I think he would probably be competitive. I don't think he would end up winning many states, unfortunately. Maybe he, he could potentially end up in the cabinet, uh, maybe Secretary of State. I'm not sure. But then we move on to the B tier. First in the B tier, these are people who would win states, compete in states, and could could you know, in a certain way, be able to compete it off. And I'm going to go ahead and put Dan Crenshaw. And a lot of people are already saying Dan Crenshaw's a rhino. And I'm not too sure about that. All I know about Dan Crenshaw is Dan Crenshaw is super smart. He's a Navy SEAL who lost his eye fighting for this country. And I know a lot of the general public likes having veterans be their nominee. I think that Dan Crenshaw, you know, he's still relatively young. I think he's like 36 years old right now. So he still has, you know, a lot of time left that he could become the president. I think he Dan Crenshaw has is smart enough to be able to grow his social media presence 
and to be able to grow uh, that. So people, you know, he has a national following being us. I believe this is, is his second term might even still be his first term. And because of that, I think he would still be competitive. Now, next on this list is going to be Senator Josh Hawley. I personally love Josh Hawley. And if Josh Hawley doesn't, or if Donald Trump doesn't run for president in 2024, it really changes where Josh Hawley is. So I think Josh Hawley could end up being president one day if he really, really wanted to. But I think Josh Hawley could carry a lot of that Midwest, but I think he also could carry a lot of the South because he, some people consider Missouri the South. Heck, it's in the Southeastern Conference in football. So I think he can carry a lot of the Bible Belt. And I think that he could make a very good case for being what would be one of the youngest president in American history. Next on this list is, unfortunately, Tim Scott. Look, I like Tim Scott. Tim Scott is a great speaker. And he has a great story. I just don't know if that story resonates with enough of the base, especially when Donald Trump is in the race, because it takes a lot of people. It's going to take, it would take a lot to beat Donald Trump in this party. Now, next on this list, and we have two, we have to put two more people up there, which, which is just going to be really hard to do is going to have to be Tom Cotton. Look, I like Tom Cotton. I was very surprised Tom Cotton didn't decide to run for governor of Arkansas. I think Tom Cotton could probably make a case to be secretary of state, potentially even attorney general. I do believe he has a law degree. But with that being said, Tom Cotton does not necessarily have the national name recognition to be able to compete with Donald Trump in the presidency and primary. But I do like Tom Cotton a lot. He has probably been one of the top five Republican senators, probably top three this uh, since COVID started and definitely the, in this new term. Uh, once a couple of senators had left office, I still think Orrin Hatch is probably the funniest Republican senator of all time. Next on this list is Mike Pompeo. This is something that's not very known. Mike Pompeo actually used to be a congressman. I didn't know that. But Mike Pompeo being Secretary of State would be able to command a lot of things. He's been very vocal, especially since this Afghanistan debacle happened. I think Mike Pompeo would be able to make a good case, and he would probably win a few states, like his home state, I believe, Indiana, uh, from when he was a congressman there. Now, without further ado, let's move on to the A tier. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has been one of the most spoken people. Now, the A tier, the people who, who are going to fall in the A tier and above would be people who are going to win states and would be the final three people in the process. So Ted Cruz has been one of the most outspoken people. He's somebody who is who a lot of people have known. He's one of the, he was one of the most outspoken senators before uh, 2016. He's been one of the most outspoken senators since 2016. But with that being said, I think that he couldn't really compete. He could probably compete maybe in Texas. He could probably compete anywhere else. Um, but I just don't think he competes with the next guy, who is Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is the governor of the biggest hard Republican state in the in the in the country. I think Texas is a Republican state, but it's not necessarily a hard Republican state. And with that being said, Ron DeSantis would do great. Ron DeSantis is pulling second only to the next person on the list in a lot of these Republican primary polls. And Ron DeSantis has governed the state of Florida probably as well as any other governor has governed their state. But I think we go without without further ado, we have to put Donald Trump in the F tier. No, I'm just kidding. In the S tier. Donald Trump still commands the Republican Party. His endorsements still do matter to a lot of people. And I think Donald Trump personally could win the primary again and could have a good chance in the general election because of how, let's just say, terrible 
Joe Biden is doing. I mean, people aren't aren't chanting blank Joe Biden for no reason. I think Donald Trump completely does it. Uh, but I want you guys to comment down below. So I just want to, that was me going through, obviously, my tier of who I think that the best potential candidates for 2025 or four are. Uh, again, if Donald Trump's not in that race, the answer is probably most likely going to be, it's obviously most likely going to be good old Ron DeSantis. I mean, let's just, let's be honest here. Um, it, it's just hard to, hard to see a, a world unless he doesn't want to run where he isn't the given thing. But I do want to play this clip from my friend Ryan Fournier. Uh, well, it's not from him, but it, he posted it. Um, this is a great clip. It's of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, America's governor. Because sometimes people will ask me, oh, man, how come Florida, 84,000 jobs, the rest of the country, you know, what, what could be done to help the rest of the country? And I say, well, you know, the saying that I always think back, and it's a little bit of a flourish on how it's been used previously, uh, but a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose yours. A recovery is when Dr. Fauci loses his. A recovery is when Dr. Fauci loses his job. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be amazing? And this is why the left hates him, because he hates, um, he absolutely hates Dr. Fauci, everything he stands for. And then listen to this, he hates critical race theory as well. This is another reason why I think he would be one of the top choices. Florida Civics Curriculum. This is the same, uh, same press conference, by the way. Then will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. <laughs> Let me be clear, there's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. So we will invest in actual, solid, true curriculum, and we will be a leader in the development and, in, and implementation of a world-class civics education. Yeah, 100%. That is 100% exactly what we should do. It's pretty simple. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. I mean, the, listen to this guy uh, explain critical race theory. Hey, my brothers and sisters. Today, in this segment, what I wanted to talk about was critical race theory. Now, my plan is to first define it, and then I'm going to offer up two articles, one for it and one against it. And I'll provide the links to those articles because as always, I want you guys to dive in and make up your own mind. Don't let me make up your mind or anyone else own your own mind and your own heart and you get all the information and then you decide what you feel is best for you. So once I present that, and then at the end of the segment, I will tell you how I personally feel. And this is a guy, he goes on to uh, describe how racist critical race theory is. I don't have time to play the entire thing, but he goes on to describe just how very racist it is. And as you look at it, <clears throat> it is very racist. Now uh, I want to point out, that there's a lot of 
I there's a lot of there's a lot of people who think that there there could be some voter fraud ha- giving happening in New Jersey. And I just want to point out very very possible that it is. Um, they're pointing out you know basically how votes flipped and this and that and you know that that very well could happen. I mean if you look at you know percentages and now get it, now it, there there's one thing it was posted by the New York Times. Um, it had. 100% of Bergen County, New Jersey, uh, and it had it had uh, Cia Torelli at 52 points, Murphy at 47, and then, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of people, 1% who voted for that, and it had 100% of the votes. And then uh, just a couple hours later, it had 100% reporting, and there were about a, an additional 40,000 ballots, and all of a sudden, Bergen goes up by, or sorry, sorry, all of a sudden, Governor Murphy goes up by four points, which I think that race ended up being decided by 2,000 votes. Look, I don't know. But I think that we need Republicans who will investigate this because, look, there's a chance we could flip. We could have flipped New Jersey if we all were put in, but we can't flip anything without um, without fair elections being had. That, that's just, quite frankly, the truth. Hey, Noah here. I wanted to take a second because I realized I don't know if you know who I am. So I like to take the last few minutes of every single show to tell you who I am. I mean, you turn into the dial right now. You know, you may have no, have no idea who I am. My name is Noah Ring. I'm foremost the uh the the most prominent college conservative activist in the country uh, i got my start a couple of years ago uh in 2016 ish you know working uh, to try to help uh, donald trump get elected since then uh, obviously i've grown up a little bit since 2016 i was only 15 in 2016 when donald trump was elected to be the president of the united states and i spent four years defending donald trump's uh, america first policy defending him in the classroom i uh, have kind of I've kind of token that, that I, I fight for conservatism and Trump in the classroom. So that's what I've done for the last four years. I've fought for Donald Trump against radical left-wing professors, students, administrators, everyone. I also helped to defend many students across this country. Look, a lot of people weren't lucky like me and lived in a very conservative school district. And a lot of people are afraid that if they speak out against their radical professors or their radical teachers or principals or whoever that they will be ridiculed and they'll be grade doc, which if you don't know what grade docking is, it's when they drop your grade uh, simply because they don't like you simply because in this case you support Donald Trump, you support uh, pro-life pro-gun and you are for America first. With that being said, I am a contributor with campus reform, meaning whenever I find some story that of some teacher doing absolutely crazy work or some college being overly overly biased i report on it because that is important the the future of america is right is in college right now my generation will decide what happens gen x is overwhelmingly conservative the millennial generation is overwhelmingly liberal my generation will be the biggest thing because i saw a statistic a couple of years ago that by the 2028 election my generation will be the biggest voting block in the country And I don't know about you, but I want to live under a Republican-led country, led by the conservative ideals of limited government, limited uh, personal responsibility, limited government, and liberty. That is what the Founding Fathers guaranteed to us, and that's what I want to live by. So every Monday, I'm right here, 8 to 10 a.m., whether you're listening to this uh, on the radio or you're listening to this on the internet live stream, I'm right here. If you ever have any questions at all, you can email me, noah at noahring.org. That's my personal email. I check that. Too many times a day, honestly. Uh, You can also text me at 912-254-4838, 912-254-4838. But what I really seek to do with this podcast, with this radio show, is I seek 
to give my generation what is needed for them to fight back against the radical left on college campuses because I've seen firsthand what happens when one party rule comes to these college campuses. You think can't you think California's bad? Wait until you step foot on a college campus because at least in California you have the protections of the Constitution of the United States. At college, you don't have those protections. So that's what I, that's who I am, that's what I'm doing, and that's why I and I appreciate you the American people, the great people of America listening and giving me this platform to be able to speak to you for, you know, roughly two hours a day, which my sixth grade teachers told me that I'd never make anything in my life talking so much, but look who has proved her wrong. Now, with that being said, make sure that you come back tomorrow at 8 a.m., 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. every single morning. We have great guests on all the time. We've interviewed uh, former Secretary of the Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. We've interviewed Marjorie Taylor Greene, Mike Collins, uh, Congressman Gary Graves. We've interviewed all these people. We've interviewed senators, congressmen, governors, uh, all these people who candidates as well. And just interesting people we had on a guy named, uh, Alejandro who used to be a member of Antifa and now, and black lives matter. And now he is one of the biggest people fighting back against those very organizations. So we have on great guests all the time and we bring you the news that nobody else is going to bring you. You're not going to find these headlines on Fox news because I have a lot of, I have a lot of people throughout the country who are looking for stories uh, that are happening in high schools and colleges and even even really some corporations. And Fox News doesn't cover those for whatever reason, so I guess I have to do that. So I hope that you will tune back in tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. as we take on the left one more time. I don't know how long I'll have this platform. I don't know how long I'll be on social media, but we will take on the left one more time tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., ending at 10 a.m. So it's perfect for your morning commute. And also, if you can't listen to this live, you know, some people are busy, whatever. I do typically upload the first hour, first 40 or so minutes of the first hour to the podcast, which you can find at noahring.org. But thank you so much for tuning in today, and we will see you on the other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.